same way, the prophets, those who came before us, they suffered. Amen? So thank you for those testimonies, young men. I appreciate that. What we're going to do in the church is we're going to end out the year just kind of talking about some things that happened, put it to Scripture, and be encouraged today. And maybe if you catch a rebuke, that's good for you, okay? So some of you might catch a rebuke. That's all right. But for the most part, it's meant to be encouraging, okay? We're going to forget the past, that which is negative, and we're going to reach towards the future. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3. If you're with me, somebody say, I'm there. Come on, get your karaoke or, your, or get your Bible as we get the karaoke screen up. Always notes online and uh, at the app as well. So what we'll do today is we're going to go through 2020 as best as we can and put it into the context of Scripture. And then we're going to next week go through all that God did in our church and celebrate and prepare for the new year. So we are a transparent church. All financial records uh, next week will be devolved uh, and given to you. So if, uh, if you need them, they can be given to you individually. Those will be handed to you. Those are already coming. If you want to see the line-by-line budget, that's always available, by the way. That's always available. That's not just at the end of the year. We'll, we'll give that to you today if you want to see that. So we are a transparent church. And then we'll talk about the plans that we believe. God has for us for 2020, and let me just say, it's going to get good and gooder, as folks used to say, but it's going to get better and better. It's going to, the devil can't stop what God is doing. If we made it through 2020, like what happened in 2020, we made it, we're here right now, we're not going to be able to fit here in 2021. Are you listening? We're going to go to five, six, seven services if we have to. A lot of those churches that went online will we'll take the keys, okay? You guys stay online, we're going to get your building, all right? Because I thought it all belonged to Jesus, right? You know, they raised the money that way, didn't they? This, this, this house belongs to Jesus. Okay, now you online. It belongs to Jesus. Jesus wants you to give it up. And I claim this one right over here. It says on their building, God is still speaking. God is speaking to give that building. Now, the Bible says don't covet. I'm not coveting. I'm just claiming what already belongs to us. It's, it's, hey, hey, are we brothers and sisters in Christ? Doesn't the Bible say that they took no thing to count it as their own? They sold buildings. They gave it all like that. If we both serve in Jesus, then that belongs to the kingdom of God. We should, we should base it on the need now. Y'all went online. You don't need that. Give it to the church that's on the front lines. Amen? <laughs> People are like, Pastor, somebody's going to take you serious and go up to that church and ask for the keys. I, I would be curious to what they would say, actually, man. We've talked to this church over here. This church, by the way, affirms homosexuality. So they're Ichabod already, okay? But uh, we've asked them, can we use their parking? Like when we've done conferences and stuff, they want to charge us. I wish Lauren was here. I think they wanted to charge us almost $1,000. Listen to this. You talk about the churches pimping in the pulpit. They wanted to charge us $1,000, I believe was the number, to park our cars over there. You see what these churches have become? Isn't this sad? Isn't this sad? Another church that we love and respect is down the road, and we are like, can we park our cars there because we're going to have a few hundred people? They said, no, it's a liability issue. I'm like, bro, I'm a pastor. I have insurance. What liability issue are you afraid of? Uh, we can sign a little contract that says if somebody trips in your, your parking lot, we'll take the liability onto our insurance. Is this rocket science, people? This is rocket science, you know? But if I was preaching like this and if I was singing like this and we were offering them some type of thing, oh, they would for sure do it. No liability problem now. 
Isn't that just like the world? You scratch my back, I scratch your back. But is that what Jesus said? Did Jesus say, do, do for others, you know, what, what you just want done for yourself or if you get back? No, the Bible says make happen for others what you want to have uh, happen to you even if it doesn't happen. When you invite people over, don't just go invite your friends over so they can pay you back. Go invite the poor who can't pay you back. Don't look for a gift in return. And so this year, I just want to say by God's grace, you guys, somebody say he's talking about me. Thank you. You guys have made it possible for this church to be used for a bunch of different people who have come and held conferences in the city. So let's give it up for what God did through the different groups that came here. And we said, sure, here are the keys. Come and do the thing. As a matter of fact, our young people, uh, TJ and Lawrence, will tell you, for this end of the year thing that they wanted to do, they were so excited about it. They're like, Pastor, and we want some classrooms, and we want these different things. So let me know some of the churches that you know, and we're going to see if we can use their buildings. Well, it comes to find out they're using our building. I don't know how that went with you in those other churches, but I said, <laughs> it, didn't go, it didn't go good. Okay. Well, that just is what it is. So, so they're being so sanctified so holy, it's like no one can come into the church. Leper, leper, boogeyman, boogeyman, you can't come into the church. Literally, this is the world that we're living in. You know, did you have a, a family, like did you grow up in a family like I did where there was furniture that you couldn't even sit on? You couldn't even sit on that furniture and then it had a covering on it and it was like, you can't sit there. I know, it's like, mom, what's wrong with you? You bought it for a reason. Isn't this supposed to be used? And it's the same thing with churches. Don't use the church. What are you going to do in my parking lot? What are you guys going to do there? You know what we're going to do in your parking lot? We're going to park cars. We're going to park cars so that people can go from there to here. You know why? Because we don't have a lot of places to park cars right here, you know? But God will use whatever we give them. Amen? Let this be an encouragement to you. If God used us, little old us here, to bring you here and to be blessed, he will use little old you. Amen? God doesn't have to have the richest, the smartest, the best of the bunch. Paul said, not many of you were noble when you were called. And I was there when many of you got called to be saved. And I could tell you, you were not noble. He said, many of you were not wise. And I, I was there. Many of you guys were not wise. He said, but God has chosen the lowly things to topple those things that are high and mighty. How many are glad that you are today a rock in the slingshot of God? Amen? God, use me any which way you want. I want to throw you up in the mayor's business. Okay, Jesus. Wasn't that fun? That was unique having our church put out there by the mayor and all of that. Right? But God said, I'll use you. I'm going to use you and your family. I'm going to use you on your job. You might not have asked for all of this attention, but God has given it for his glory. Amen? I want to let you know today that first and foremost, before I am a, a sassy preacher, I am a shepherd. Before I am a book writer, author, I am a shepherd. Before I am a preacher, I am a shepherd. And what I want to do is give my deepest gratitude to you as a congregation for standing with the Lord this past year. I cannot ask for anything else as a pastor. I've said this to my wife as well. There is nothing that you do not provide for me in this home. So if you would ever see me misbehaving, you just go on with your life and know you are a perfect wife. Are you guys listening to me? A lot of times you hear about pastors with tears in their beard. No, my wife didn't love me, and the secretary did. I didn't get enough support, so I had to take some money from the offering. They just found out the number one Christian apologist, number one, number one Christian apologist, Ravi Zachariah, was doing naughty things in a massage parlor. 
God have mercy on our leaders. And you know why this garbage is allowed? I don't blame the victims, but you want to know why this garbage is allowed? It's the same thing that happened with Willow Creek. It's the same thing that happened in these mega messes is the people who are the victims are told, don't you mess, don't mess with the man of God. Don't tell on him because then if you tell on him, no one's going to listen to him anymore. No one's going to come to our mall-sized church. So everybody just keep it to themselves. One worship leader on a, on a trip with uh, Bill Hybels from Willow Creek, she was kissed, fondled, and held all in the man's room, and then she was told, now let's just work through this. Listen to me. We ain't working through it with me as a pastor if that ever happens here. Amen? <laughs> the first thing you work in is to find another pastor. Fire me! Are you listening? Well, we got to prop up the man of God. Prop him up. Don't prop up anything except the word of God. Amen? You're not doing, you're not doing anybody favors. And I'm not saying that we need to be, you know, hunting down every pastor and find out, you know, every little dirty detail. I do believe they need to have their lives as an open book, but I don't think we should be fault finders. I thank God that there's a balance there. But dear Lord, we have lived through enough to realize it is not about man. It is about God. If I would have died that day at the riot, I would pray that this church would still continue. That we would see that we're here for Jesus. The greatest disappointment I could see from heaven is like if I looked over the, the gates of heaven and saw you all here, and it, was, and it was like a sad story. Oh, now that Joe is gone. We're just going to close the doors. Oh, we're just going to go do our own thing now. I would look at the angels, and I'd be like, go down there and slap some of them upside the head, angel. Not the death angel. Be a little bit merciful. Don't send that one down. But would you slap them upside the head? Guys, number one, I am not a televangelist. I'm not that good looking. I am not your famous conference speaker. Is everybody listening to me? What in the world would you find? <laughs> it's like clapping, like slow clap, quiet clap. Why would you follow me? And why, why would you give up if I wasn't doing a thing? Why would you die if I died spiritually, if I died physically, right? If I backslid, why would you backslide? Literally, there is nothing worth following me over except Jesus Christ. Amen? Don't follow a man like that. Follow Jesus. Sometimes I talk to people and they're like, you know what, I'm just, you know, I'm just praying for so-and-so to change and I'm going to stick around for that change. That's amazing. God does call you to stick around to your marriage in certain places to, to see change come. Others of you, you need to give people the gift of goodbye, amen? Your spiritual fire is at stake right now. Well, I'm just going to stay here and hope it all changes. Amen to that. I hope it changes for you. But while you're with the frozen chosen, I'm right here, baby, saying, set me on fire, Jesus. Me and my, me and my friends want to get on fire for you. Because I've had people tell me that, well, I'm staying in this denomination, hoping it will change. And you know what generally happens? Let's just be honest. What generally happens in missionary evangelism? You're, you're saved and they're not. Generally, you backslide. Am I not telling the truth right here? Generally, what happens with the people who stick around the denominations of the frozen chosen? Do they get on fire? Like all of a sudden, do you hear the Baptists are on fire now because so-and-so stuck with them? No. What do you generally hear? So-and-so backslid. So-and-so's not preaching like they used to because they wanted to fit in with their denomination. We are here to be a church representative of Jesus Christ. Our ancestors have already paid the price of this. When they were protesting the Roman Catholic Church, they were being burned at stakes. Why are we going to stop now? 
Why are we going to act different now? When we came to God blessed America and stood upon our freedom of religion, we died in a revolutionary war against the British. Why would we start capitulating now? Well, we're so surprised that the Christians in these churches haven't shut down. Well, I'm surprised you're surprised. Maybe you've been watching Joel Osteen too much, considering that to be the movement of Christians. Maybe you need to go back and understand the Christians of the founding fathers, the, you know, the Christians of the Revolutionary War, the Christians of the Civil War, the Christians who have stood up and believed in things, because we have a call on our lives. The church is the front lines. Are you guys listening to me? I love doctors, but doctors are not the front lines. The church are the front lines. I love soldiers. I love police officers, but they are not the front lines. The church is the front lines. And I thank God that in the church there's doctors. In the church that, you know, that we pastor, there are people of all those spheres of influence, but it's the church that marches with them. Have you studied history? It's the church that came together during the Civil War and said, brothers and sisters, it's time to die so that so-and-so can be free. It's time for us to stand up for what we believe in. I heard some pastors say, well, we're not going back to church until the NBA goes back, until this one goes back. How much more cowardly could you be? I'm not going back until the NBA goes back. No, I'm going to stay open and be back, and then the NBA can follow my lead. The NBA follows me. I don't follow the NBA. Are you listening? Well, I'll go back when Fox News says it's okay. No, Fox News gets its news from me. Are you guys listening? Fox News gets its news from us as the Christians. We are not at the mercy of conservative talk radio. We're not at the mercy of what our governor says. As Christians, we are the generation shakers. We are the history break makers, and we are the roof breakers. You come from a long line of revolutionaries who have taught the word of God and lived it out. I think for too long we have begun to become comfortable with marrying our convictions to everything that is not of God. And so we think to ourselves, well, the pastor tells me about Noah's Ark. Pastor, you can tell me about Noah's Ark, but Dr. Fauci tells me about diseases. I get I have limitations. I'm not here to try to replace what Dr. Fauci knows, but I'm here to discern with you as a Christian leader what we should do as a society when Dr. Fauci is spouting off what he's spouting off. When we live in a culture and a society where it seems like we're being told by doctors, we came from the goo through the zoo to you, now here's a vaccine, and then, hey, if you don't want to go, listen, if you don't want to go into, uh, into lockdown more, we'll, we'll assist you in suicide. When the world and the doctors are saying that, we find new doctors. We follow the real science, not the make-believe fairy tale science that they're following, the answer to our culture and society is not to yield our power and authority to so-called experts. Otherwise, we would have stayed under the king of England. He's an expert. Wasn't the king of England an expert? He was an expert at, at exporting his ideals around the world and imperialism. So what did we have to do at some point? We had to say at some point, I'm not following that so-called expert. What about during the times of Jesus? Weren't the Jewish leaders the experts? Oh, here they are, the experts. Here's the priest. The priest was so much of an expert at recognizing God. God was in the flesh, and he was slapping him. The fool in their folly. The fool, think about that. You're so much of an expert at religion. God is in front of you, and here's your response to him. Shut up. I'm slapping you. 
How foolish have our experts become, the Bible says. They've become fools. And so through this past year, I hope that you've learned to stand on the word of God. The scientists stand on the word of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything we're figuring out in order with our minds is because God, a God of mind and order, has created it. And if it contradicts what we know about God, then we make sure that we restudy and study and study. And by the way, Galileo and all of them were not being persecuted by the church. Understand that, though I'm not Catholic, but understand that Christians were always open to the investigation of what natural order was in this world. We developed the universities. We developed the scientific method. We're not anti-science, you nincompoop. We are the foundation for science. We are the foundation, Christians, for modern medicine and hospital care. We are the foundation for justice. Black lives matter. Does Okay, are, do you believe in God? No, I don't believe in God. Then why do any lives matter? Black lives matter. Why do lives matter? Listen, if we are just molecules in motion, if we are just moist robots, do you know that the greatest philosophers of our time don't even believe you have a free will anymore? You are just the consequences of brain chemicals. You getting upset with them is just another consequence of brain chemicals. You are a moist robot according to this world, and then yet they want to cry out for justice. They want to cry out for justice. They don't know what justice is. The church knows what justice is. The church is the conscience of the state. We are the conscience of good and evil. We know how to discern what it is. And we don't need anyone who's living sexually immoral. I don't need Ellen to give me a cue on how to fix racism. Ellen, I've been fixing racism by God's grace when you used to like boys. I've been doing this longer than she has. I've been doing this right longer than she's been doing it wrong. Are you listening? And so, church, you have the answers. Now, I'm sorry if people have done it wrong and called themselves the church. I'm sorry if Father Tom was a perv. He should be in jail, a lot of these perverted priests. Are you listening? I'm sorry that there's been shucksters and high, you know, you know these, these people that, that take advantage of Christians and they're on TV or whatever. I'm sorry about that. But that does not mean what we're doing or what that Bible says is wrong. Stand by the word of God. Stand by what Jesus has taught us. Put it back up there for me, Northwestern University. Do you think we're the first Christians to put our worldview into motion? Put up, give me three Google things. Princeton, Harvard, Yale, give me four. Princeton, Harvard, Yale, and Northwestern, please. Do you think we're the first ones to say, I want to encapsulate the Christian worldview into modern society so that we can be productive at life, so that we can be productive at medicine, so that we can be productive in child care, so that we can be productive in family and, so and sociology? You think we are the first ones to attempt that? My friends, we were based on that. Those three Google searches, put them up in Wikipedia, please. Go to the historical background of all these universities. We're all founded by Christians. Harvard was founded from a reverend donating his library so that young people could learn. And out of that, they understood if we know how God is, if we know that God is a God of truth, science will never lie. 
and I will never lie as a scientist. Do you understand how important that is? If I believe God is the God of truth, then whatever I discover in this world will be true. I will not have to falsify information. I will not have to go into textbooks and try to find missing links and foist a, a myth called evolution onto people with bogus science. I will know what is true by what is reality, by what corresponds with reality. I will know what is true when it comes to sociology and to physiology by what corresponds to reality. How many know, no matter how many times people play Mr. or Mrs. Potato Head with their bodies, they are still genealogically, according to their genes, a male or a female? How many know, no matter what you call that thing inside the womb to be disrespectful to it, it is a living organism of the humankind, and you murdering it makes you a murderer. How many understand that? That is called science. I follow that because it is true and corresponds with reality, not the delusions of people in their sinful minds. Which one you got ready for us, sir? Put up some of these because I want to remind us. How many know we came from Christianity? And how many know that our nation came from a lot of good Christians? A lot of good Christians who wanted us to be Christians and Christ followers during this time. Let us not give up our Christian worldview now, brothers and sisters. Amen? Princeton. Let's go to their motto right here. Go to the motto uh, to the right here. Under God's power, she flourishes. How many would like your kids to go to uh, Princeton now? Yeah. Most of us would still say, yeah, I'd like my kid to go to Princeton, even though it's ungodly as it is. Where do you think Princeton came from? It, it wasn't founded by Richard. Uh, it wasn't founded by Charles Darwin. Do you know the only degree that Charles Darwin had was a Bible college degree? And then they make fun of me because I have a Bible college degree. Do you know that most of everyone who was a part of the scientific revolution had Bible college degrees on top of everything else they did? Look at the history of Harvard. Give us the, the motto for Harvard. Go on down here. Let's see it. Scroll down here for me, please. Can you follow me here, good sir? Thank you. Come on. Colonial origins. Where's the... Go to the main one. Go to the main one. You're on the actual history. Go to the actual one like you did over there. Harvard, Princeton, Yale. They want to put up Northwestern. It's time for us to get saved professor univer uh, professors in universities. It's time for us to have saved people who are leaders in the industry. I love boating. The number one boating for what I do is nautique. Nautique, nautique makes boats for the glory of God. I guarantee you there's nobody who makes a better boat, and yet they're Christians. Today, as a Christian, be the best that you can be. Let 2020 teach you that you and I are in a worldview war, and we're not just going to win it on Sundays just singing songs. We're going to win it on Mondays, beating them at whatever they want to shove down our throats. We're going to beat them at it. We're going to develop a better Facebook, beat them at social media. Can somebody do that, please? We are going to beat them at inventing things. We are going to put Apple out of business. Apple will be like Samsung to us when we create the next thing that's coming out. Are you listening? We are going to be that. I want Tesla to come sit here, and I want Elon Musk to get saved. Are you guys listening? But he's not going to get saved following some lukewarm Christianity. Harvard, what is their motto? Go scroll down here. There it is, truth, veritas. And it comes from the, 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 the book of John. Give us Northwestern, please. You are not the first generation to have a battle of worldviews, to bump your head against others in the name of Jesus. This is going to cost you something. 2020 showed us that we are not playing make-believe. How many believe this is a real battle? 
We're not playing make-believe, and you must stand for something. Whatever things are true, we're going to be reading that today. The word full of grace and truth. Just kind of move it there. Thank you. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3. How many are ready for the word? I love you. I'm glad that you came here today. I'm so pumped up. I want to make a difference in this world. I want them to be like how they were with Daniel with us. I want them to say, man, we can't beat them. They're making better cars than us. They're producing better boats than us. They have better social media than us. What can we do to stop them? Get them out of that position by persecuting their religion. Isn't that what they did with Daniel? Isn't that what the other governors did with Daniel? They looked around to Daniel and they said, man, we're not smarter than Daniel. Daniel's smarter than us. They looked around at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and they began to realize, man, we can't compete with them. So you know what we need to do? We need to, comp- uh, we need to persecute them and take away their rights so that they cannot compete with us anymore. Isn't that what they're doing in the Muslim countries right now? They're not letting us compete with the world of uh, free ideas and discussing things. I have no problem with a Muslim having free speech in America. Why? Because I will destroy Islam with truth every single time. Every single time, Islam will be destroyed with truth. You think, listen, we did a debate with a Muslim at, at our former location. You think that Islam and Christianity have things in common. Listen to that debate, and you walk away from that and tell me what, who won that. In just a few weeks, by God's grace, going to be starting another live cast. And I'm going to invite on all your friends. All your friends can come. Atheists, unbelievers, I don't care who they are. They can all come on. And you will see how their worldview gets dealt with. Not by, like I'm smart, but by God's word. By the truth of Jesus Christ. I want you to get your college professor. I want you to get your, co- your co-worker. I want you to get your boss. I want you to get anybody that you think knows something about what we talk about here. I don't care if they're a scientist. I don't care if they're a philosopher. I don't care what they got their degrees in. Just hit it and go to sermons, please. I don't care what they got their degree in. I'm going to bring them on the webcast, and we'll do it in love, and we'll show you how their worldview gets destroyed. The worldview of non-Christians cannot stand to the things of God. You are not following. Listen, everybody look up at me, please. They're distracted. Guys, get off of this page so they don't get distracted, please. You are not here following a pastor that just plays make-believe on Sundays. Does everybody get that? I don't play make-believe on Sundays. When we went out and preached, when we went out and preached to Wright College, when they actually were having school there, I challenged every single one of their professors, bring me in here and let's see what time it is. We are not playing make-believe here. I challenge every single one. Anyone listening, I challenge the mayor. I challenge the governor. I I challenge any professor, economics, sociology, science, math, anything to discuss what we're discussing here. Anytime, anywhere, let's go. Right now. Why? Because we are not intimidated by it. We are not intimidated by it. We do not bring up bogus chart, uh, bogus science. We do not bring up bogus facts. We are not conspiracy theorists. There are some things I believe that are a little conspiratorial, I'll be honest with you. But that's not, that's not what I parked my car on. That's not what I parked my car on. When I parked my car against COVID during this time, I wasn't parking it on some global thing of the elites trying to indoctrinate, you know, and, you know, get us to do. No, no. I parked it on this thing does not have a death rate that requires this thing. It's that simple. Prove it otherwise. Prove it wrong. And the World Health Organization, Dr. John Ionis, has proven it true to what we realized from the very beginning with the doctors, 0.05 death rate of those infected. Okay, who's going to now say we were right? Who's going to now say we were right, right? See, they're cowards and they're liars. They talk a big game. They want to threaten you on your job. They want to listen to me. Say to your boss this. Say, listen to me. I know what you want to do. I know what you want to do. You want me to act a Christian fool so you can fire me. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do my job. But this is what I want you to do. 
I want you at 5 o'clock when we check out, meet me at my church on a live feed and bring up your nonsense there. Tell your boss, I want to talk to you here. Come right here. My pastor will put you on live, and we'll discuss the things of this culture right now, and we'll see who looks like an Oompa Loompa in front of people. When we were debating these things during the first uh, outbreak and all of these things, I sat on live for eight hours, eight hours. Many of you watched me on there for eight hours. Doctors would come on. Lawyers would come on. You guys were there. And, and what would happen? They would get their arguments crushed. They would get their arguments, well, well, we, 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 we think that the best thing is for us all to hide and do all of this and that. I say, what about a second or third wave? What are you going to do next flu season? Oh, well, you know what? We'll figure it out by then. And then now, what did they figure out? We're just going to lock down everybody again and crush our economy. I was talking to them about Sweden and all of these different countries who understood that herd immunity through this, like a flu, similar ILI, influenza-like illness, needs to run through our culture and society. They laughed at us. Now Sweden is almost down to a zero death rate. Look it up. Italy, who did the most extreme lockdowns, almost destroyed their entire elderly population. The nincompoop of New York destroyed almost his entire elderly population. That wicked sinner. Then he mocks God. That wicked sinner is an idiot. Are you listening to me? And then our wicked, sinful mayor and governor did nothing for us, did nothing to protect our citizens. Now we see businesses shutting down on Michigan Avenue. We're going, well, what's the reason for that? How about all the stupidity that we allowed this last year? We've totally crushed our restaurant industry. We've crushed our retail businesses. And we think that we're going to wake up three months from now to a brand new America? It's going to be new and different, but it's going to be ghettofied and and crazy. It's going to be new like Mad Max type new. Are you listening to me? And then we said to all of our minority communities, these people don't like you. These white crazy people who are saying to you that your life matters does not matter. They're going to come in there and burn down your own neighborhood, and then they're going to go back to their little condo, and you're going to be stuck with a bunch of buildings burned down. And now look at the hood. How's it going? Is the hood all good right now? No, most of these businesses haven't even come close to coming back. You know what I'm talking about. The boards are still up. These were mom and pop shops, and these people were running in to get their weaves. Who do you think owns the weave shop? President Trump. (laughs) President Trump don't own the weave shop. You know who owns the weave shop is the woman who lives in your neighborhood, but had to come in and get all the weaves out, had to destroy all the Nike. Now, they may have something there. The white man owns Nike, but guess who works at Nike? A bunch of non-white people work at Nike. Now Nike's ghettified. Are you listening? And some of this, I'll just be honest with you, is a curse upon our greed. I think so, you know? We idolize all these things, and then we see them all torn down and leave, and now we have to realize that these things aren't here for us. Well, I love this Michigan Avenue. I love Magnificent Mile. I love it all. Okay, you love it now that it's boarded up and all your favorite stores have gone? You know, it's just like how people say, my team. You know, I love the Chicago Cubs. They're my team. They let you in for free? Your team lets you in for free. Try to go to the Chicago Cubs without a ticket like you came in here. That's your team. They don't even let you in, Jack, unless you pay them. I let you in here for free, amen? So this is what the people say, you know. This is what they think. You know, the church is in it for the money. That's why they wanted to open back up. You know, the Cubs, they love us so much. That's why they didn't let us come into the stands. Listen to me. The Cubs only care about themselves and those little prize ponies down there that entertain you in tights for a little bit. They don't care about you. They don't care about anything but themselves. We found out real quick who cared about you. 
We were on the streets. We're opening up the doors. The church has always been here. The church will be here. And it's not just this church. There are other churches around this city that are saying, we're not standing for this nonsense. We're going to be counted in this generation. We're going to be radical for Jesus. This is just the intro. Trust me, I already preached an hour and didn't mention any of this in last service. You got the hour still coming, okay? This is the last one of the year, so don't be in a hurry. But let me just share with you here. Let me just share this with you. They, sometimes people go, well, pastor, you know, these Christians, you crazy ones, you've always been apocalyptic, apocalyptic. And all throughout the generations, you know, in Wesley's generation, Spurgeon's generation, they've always said, look, this thing's happening, this thing's happening. And voila, Jesus is going to come back. But somehow Jesus never comes back and you apocalyptic preachers go away. Listen to me. If I am wrong, if I am wrong that Jesus' is coming is not in my lifetime, I will have at least done one thing right, stand up against all the stupidity in this world. If I, stood up, if I stood up against the stupidity in this world because I believe Jesus was coming back, I'm better than your neighbor not standing up against the stupidity because they thought that they were going to continue on his life as it is. If this was just a test for how I would react, I know now how I will react. How many know how you would react? This is how we will react. Okay, let's say it wasn't the big thing. Let's say this is not as bad as it gets. Let's just say we overblew it. Okay, we overblew it. Maybe communism doesn't come up. Socialism doesn't come up. Okay, it was all overblown. Okay, oh yeah, yeah, okay. What did we realize in this time? I'm standing up. That's what I realized. We've talked to at least multiple, three to four different nations in this church. And you know what they all say to us? This is exactly what happened in our nation, Romania. Talked to the pastor of Elam Pentecostal Church. I went into his church. We were, uh, you know, doing the joint lawsuit against the mayor and the governor. And I said, brother, you've lived through communism. He's been uh, persecuted, arrested, beaten, and all of that. I said, is this the beginning stages of, uh, you know, like socialism, communism, this kind of dictatorship, this, you know, taking away from the rich, distributing it to the poor, crushing the economy, all of that, persecuting religion. You know what he said to me? He said, this is not the beginning of it. This is it. That's what he said to me. He said, this is it. Then I talked to his sister. Her family came from Cuba. He swam to Guantanamo Bay, swam the ocean to get here. And we still have, we still have Generation X and millennials wearing Che Guevara shirts. What are you? The people who lived under Che Guevara swam across oceans to get here. And I have one on the underground church of Chicago, guys wearing a Che Guevara shirt, and he's dancing. He is, like, happy to bring this here. I was talking to her, and you know what she was saying to me? Her father, her mother, when they saw all of this, said, it's not the beginning. This is what it looks like. Triggering her, and we share, uh, triggering the family to the past memories, and we share from a, a Christian that is in her 50s, I believe, from China, who lived under communism China, and she continually writes, seriously, she continually writes like three to four page blogs on these, uh, you know, Facebook posts. They are long, and I just know people don't even care about it. They rather listen to Cardi B talk about her nastiness than take 30 seconds out to, live, to listen to somebody who lived through communism or socialism or dictatorship. And then we think, come on, we think in the church critical race theory and all of these things are harmless while we have watched it be forced on us. What is the worst thing a Christian does? What is the worst thing? Come on, what is the worst? Because they say we force our religion on them. What's the worst we do? We go out and preach, right? We go out and preach. Have you ever, everybody think about this, have you ever seen us as Christians standing around a bunch of non-Christians going, say it, say Jesus is Lord, say it. Have you ever seen us do that? Have you ever seen us block off parts of a neighborhood and going, you're not allowed, you devil worshiper? 
Somebody's like, they did that with the Puritans. That's another story. But have we done that as of recent? Have we done that as of recent? You Satanists, you homosexuals, you're not allowed in our neighborhood. This is what's happened to our culture during this time. But I am not falling for it by God's grace. And I thank God that there are other people here that are not falling for it. Please do not think of me trying to be anything before you. I'm simply humbly as a messenger saying, who here is on the Lord's side? Who here is standing for Jesus? I am sorry. Come on. I am sorry if other Christians have taught you Nicianity. I am not here to teach you Nicianity. I am here to teach you Christianity. Christ above all. Christ above government, Christ above culture, Christ above the the trends of men and women, Christ above all. In sickness or in health, we belong to Jesus. I talked to my one friend. He didn't close down his church. I talked to him and I asked him, I said, man, why aren't you closing down? And this was was even, uh, you know, something for me because we didn't know what we didn't know. We didn't know if this thing could have been influenza, everybody going to die, you know. We had no idea. But my friend, he made a decision right at the beginning. He said, I'm just not closing down. It's just something I'm not doing. He ministers primarily to the homeless, the inner city. And I asked him, I said, brother, why are you not doing this? Are you not concerned? Because, you know, we closed down for 30 days to figure it out. Am I sick? Am I dying? I don't know. Have I I been body snatched by aliens? What is going on? Just tell me. I need to figure this thing out, you know. So we're taking time off to figure it out. He's just pressing forward. And you know what he said to me? He said, if I die, I know I go to heaven. But there are still people here that are dying and going to hell. And if, if it's as bad as they say it is, then there's going to be a lot of people dying right now going to hell. When did we forget that it wasn't about us? When did we forget that in the church as Christians, it wasn't about our American dream and our house with white picket fences and that that somehow gave God glory? I'm not saying we should be reckless, you know, drive without our seatbelts on and, you know, just be wild and crazy today. But what I'm saying is like, isn't there a time when you sacrifice? Isn't there a time when you say, this is worth that? This is worth that. This of me possibly getting sick is worth the that of a lost person getting saved in this generation. Isn't that what they said during the world wars? This, our children dying on these battlefields overseas, is worth that freedom to these people. We were standing out yesterday in front of the abortion clinic preaching, and as we were preaching, there were people who wanted to preach to us and tell us their moral values about us not wearing masks. I said to one of them, I have survived COVID. I have survived it. I think I got it, okay? I have survived it. No child will survive what happens in that place. Who has made you stupid? This thing has 0.05% death rate. What those doctors and those hideous folks do in that murder facility is 100% death rate. Why are you preaching at me? Right? It's because they have lost their God-given minds. And it's our job to be the mind of this culture. And once again, you don't want it, you don't have to receive it. You don't want to come to our church, don't come to our church. You don't want to listen to me talk. Uh, We work together. Let's put ourselves in that situation. We work together. You want to babble on about people in sports? Fine. You want to babble on about something going on in your life? Fine. I'm going to talk about Jesus. We will now have a decision to make. Either you will stop talking to me, or I'm going to see you enjoy me talking to you about Jesus. But we're going to make an agreement right here. You don't just get to babble on about your nonsense and me not talk about Jesus. 
So if you're like me and you're at the gym and sometimes you just need your space, just talk to the guy that's talking to you about sports. Just mention Jesus to him. Hey, man, have you heard? This is how it is, dudes. We know this, right? You're in the locker room. Hey, man, have you heard they, they, uh, they transferred so-and-so and so-and-so got drafted over to here and, and I'm a dude that memorizes a bunch of other dudes' names and talks about them all the time. I'm obsessed with these people and I just want to talk to you, a random stranger, about that. And I'm like, dude, I don't know anything about that. You know Jesus? Oh, man, have a good day. And just, seriously, they just go back to their random life. It's like, hold on, you wanted to talk to me. You don't even know me. You wanted to talk to me about some other dude and what he did with a bat and a ball, what they're now doing with each other over here, and they're your team, but now they went to that team to beat your team. Doesn't make sense. Hello, it's my team. That's my player. Oh, no, he's not anymore. Now he's going to be the player that beats my players, I guess. Okay. And you want me to be polite in your world. See, that's nice. Yeah, you know, just talk to me about sports. I'm going to talk to you about Jesus. I I mean, how many people know what I'm talking about is dudes here? I've had dudes, I'm telling you, some dudes are disgusting. I've had dudes look right at me while we're at the gym, you know, sharing a piece of workout equipment or something, and they tap me. This is what a guy will have the nerve to do. Tap me to look at some woman bending over to do exercises. Like, that's nice to them. It's nice. We're dudes. We're looking at girls. That's okay. And then I have the nerve to tell that man he's going to hell. How dare you judge me? What's wrong? Because I'm like, dude, I don't want to look at that. I want to go to heaven, not hell. That's what I tell people. I, tell, I was just talking to somebody the other day. You think, sometimes you think I'm, I'm not doing this stuff. I really am doing this stuff. People who have hung out with me in the real world will tell you, Joe does this stuff. One time I was getting my hair cut. My mom was listening to me preach to the person, get my hair cut. And she was like, Joe, I thought she was going to cut your ears off. Because I was just newly saved, like 18 years old. And I just, I just dive right into those conversations. I do. You don't have to do it. I'm just saying I have to do it because I can't stand it anymore. I was, I was around these kinds of conversations with dudes, and they'll get perverse. They'll say whatever, and then I'll talk about Jesus to them, and then they get offended with me. And I tell them, listen to me, sir. Listen to me. I care about your soul. We care about the soul of America, don't we? I care about what happens in our schools. I care about what happens on your job. You know that there was an organization started called the Christian Businessmen Association. How many have ever heard of that? Where Christian businessmen would actually take their lunch breaks to go pray with each other, to actually go encourage each other to go be successful so that they wouldn't have to rob and cheat and do all those other things, that they could come on the job with integrity. How many know we need those days back? Amen. So you know what? I love you and I love them, but I love the truth. Amen. And so I'm going to love you with the truth. Here's here's my heart for you. At the end of the year, help me, Jesus, to share this now. Paul writes this from his heart to the people of of the city of Philippi. And I want to read this to you as my heart to you this year. I have the honor of being one of the senior leaders at this church, and I have lacked no good thing. I have lacked no good thing. This congregation has stood up for Jesus, has done the right thing at the right time. And those of you who have not always done the right thing at the right time, I've seen you stick with it. And like you, I've made mistakes, and God has been good to us. Has he not? Amen. Can I read this to you? It's my heart to you. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. This is, uh, you know what, let's start at verse 7. Let's go down a little bit. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. 
What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but as through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, I want to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and somehow obtaining to the resurrection from the dead. Is anybody else like that today? Is your heart like mine saying, I just want to know Jesus? I consider it all but garbage. Does anybody know the King James word there for garbage? Dung. Does anybody know what dung is? It's the stuff that animals excrete, isn't it? This is a very strong statement by Paul. Paul says, I just want to know Jesus. Paul had a lot of gains and a lot of things that he achieved in the world. He would what, what we would consider a doctor of religion. He was provided for by the Jewish faith to be a good Jewish teacher. He was trained under some of the best of his time. And yet he made a decision to follow Christ. That cost him his prestige. That cost him the wealth that would follow his degree. That cost him the love of his countrymen and probably even his own family. And yet he says, I don't wish for those things to come back. I actually see those things through the eyes of Christ and count them all as dung. Is there anybody here that can look back on 2020 and say, whatever I've lost, whatever I've given up, I see it through the eyes of Christ as if it were dung. Well, Joe, Joe, they're going to talk about your church. I consider me wanting them to talk good about my church, but dung. Joe, they're going to leave bad reviews. I consider just them leaving a good review, but dung. Why was I idolatrizing those things anyways? I, why was I idolizing those things? Some of you might have lost friends. Well, pastor, I've lost friends. I've lost family. I couldn't go to Christmas. They treated me like a leper, but dung to have their approval. Why were you living for Meemaw's approval anyway? Amen. Let's bundle up Meemaw in one of those big balls. You ever seen the big balls? Those big balls, those big plastic balls. Let's put Meemaw in that. I'm so serious. Listen to me. Don't you mess with me right now. If I become this old, like if I become old like Meemaw and this happens again, you better put me in one of those balls. Do not send me somewhere where I cannot see you. Put me in a ball. Roll me down to the dinner table. <laughs> are, you, are you listening to me? Roll Paul Paul down to that dinner table. Thank you, Jesus. He said, man, I don't consider anything to be worth anything other than dung if it's not about Jesus. Now, sometimes you get caught in these moral dilemmas. Moral dilemmas. Do you want to be wealthy or happy? How many know that's like a dilemma in one sense? Because you would like to be both. If you had the choice, preferring one over the other, yes, of course, I'd like to, to have wealth. But if, you know, if I'm not healthy, or excuse me, I like to have health, but if I'm not wealthy, I'll be healthy all by myself living on, a, you know, on the street. How many know that you, you got to look at life sometimes with both and? It's not that I want either or, I want both and. Well, how about this? Do I want to be successful in life or just be a martyr for Jesus? No, I want to be successful for, in life as a martyr for Jesus. I want to be successful to the point where they have to take it from me, from my cold, dead hands, because I am so successful that they can't get it any other way. They can't get our success any other way, except they take it from us by persecution. We will thrive in this culture, amen? We will be examples in this culture. 
Paul said, I only want to know Jesus. After that, everything is but a bonus. I get Jesus and a wife, that's awesome. I get Jesus and six beautiful kids, that's awesome. I get Jesus in a house, I don't have to sleep on the grass, that's awesome. But if you take away Jesus, none of that stuff means anything. Right? So we put Jesus before all of that, but we're happy to have all the things that God wants to add to our life as he blesses it. I don't want to marry the wrong one just so I'm not alone. I don't want to have my kids look at a tab, a tablet just because I get to spend more time looking at my tablet. I don't want the easy way out of this thing. I want both and. I want Jesus and his blessings, and I'm going to work for it by faith. Not trying to flap my wings, do it on my own. I'm going to do it by trusting in him. How many learned this year what greater is he that lives in you than he that's in the world means? How many learned that this year? In a new way. Before it was like, Lord, help me pass this test. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, but how many learned it in a real way? How many learned I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me in a way you ain't never felt before? How many learned the scripture, he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind? Those things became real this year because you got to know Jesus. Verse 12, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. What is he saying his goal is? To receive the resurrection. He met the resurrected Jesus. He wanted to receive a resurrection body. He said, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Listen to this relationship language. Jesus is reaching out to him, and he's saying, I want to reach back out to him. Jesus is touching Paul, and Paul wants to touch Jesus. That's why this church is a special church, because you want to touch Jesus' heart, don't you? You want to touch the heart of Jesus. That's why we're here today. We want Jesus' heart. We don't want the approval of men. We don't want the approval of a denomination. We want the approval of God. We want God's smile upon us. Verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet taking hold of it. But one thing I do. Somebody say, one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind. Come on, say it out, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on. Somebody say, I press on. I press on towards the goal, the win, the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This year, I will forget that persecution they have done against me because I'm pressing on to Jesus. I will forget the negativity because I'm pressing on to Jesus. I will step out of the past and into the future because I am pressing heavenward to Jesus. I would rather have everybody against me and God be for me than everybody be with me and God be against me. I'm pressing on to Jesus. This year tried to hold us down, but we are now lifted up in the glory of God, pressing on to Jesus. Jesus, running that race. One thing the devil learned this year about these folks here and others like us is that he can push around others without a fight, but when he pushes here, he gets more than what he asked for. We will call him out in the name of Jesus, cast down his powers, and use the sword of the Spirit. For the kingdom of God is just not a matter of talk, but of power. There is power in this place, power of healing, power of salvation, power of sanctification. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a reason why November 5th, 1995, I never did drugs again, had sex outside of marriage again, or got drunk again, and now 20 plus years later, I'm still that way, is because I got saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. Does anybody else here have a life-changing testimony? There are testimonies coming out of tests. God is taking us from glory to glory to glory. 
And when we look back at 2020, we will not look back at what the governor did. We won't look back at what the mayor did. We won't talk about even what the devil did. We'll say, my God showed up and he showed off again. And he brought me through the valley of the shadow of death. That's what God does. God takes us where we're at and he brings us out. He came in to break us out. He came into flesh like us to take on sin that we might be righteous and holy like him. Paul said, I'm looking towards the resurrection. I'm looking towards a time where they can no longer kill the body because I'm in a glorified body. He said, I'm looking for the time where I don't face temptation anymore. I'm looking for that time where I see him face to face and not through a glass dimly. But until then, I'm going to keep forgetting what is behind, pressing on towards what is ahead. This year is a year I am now leaving behind. I am leaving behind this year to see what God has in store. And as God, as my witness, go back and listen to the first message of this year, 2020, and I didn't say it was going to be easy. That was before everything broke out. I didn't say you were just going to get everything for free. I said there may be battles coming that you don't know of. I said there are people you may lose. I said there may be tests that you're not prepared today to even think you're ready to face. But I said, here's what God wanted me to tell you. You're going to go through it in Jesus' name. You're going to make it. Just don't give up. And now by God's grace, here we are. Keep on going, please. Verse 15, he said, all of us then. Somebody say, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if at some point you think differently, Paul said, that too God will make clear to you. We don't have to argue about everything. I know some of us like to argue, but that's okay. Some things God will make clear to you. We still have people following online. Fine, that's good. Maybe this wasn't clear to you. That's fine. We still welcome you to come back. But what we don't want is for you to ridicule those of us who said we're going to stand up for Jesus. Amen? He said, only let us live up to that which we have already obtained. He said, let's live up to what we've already attained. I'm tired of hearing pastors commit suicide. I'm tired of hearing past, uh, priests bless children. I'm tired of hearing about dirty men in the pulpit. Aren't you tired of it from the church? The Bible says we should live up to it. Now look at the next verse. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. Just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as I do or live as we do. I'm here to tell you, I dress casually, I'm just like you, get up in the morning, use the bathroom, put on my pants, come to church, get mad in traffic, have to repent, but I want to set an example for you. I'm tired of pastors saying, don't follow me, just follow Jesus. That is a bogus way out. There needs to be someone in this church that hasn't looked at pornography in the last 20 years. There needs to be someone in this church that's not cheating on their wife or their husband. There needs to be somebody in this church that's been set free from addictions and keeps living free. There needs to be people in the church that have an example for others to follow. It's time in 2020 for us to get those examples. Let's take a pause here for some of my favorite memes of 2020. Are you ready? Put up these memes, please. Take a pause from the word. Here are some of the memes that I believe God has given us this year. So many people got shocked when they realized that Christianity was not a cruise ship, but was a battleship. Because pastors had been teaching them this whole time, it's all about you. Is it too hot? Okay, that's all right. We'll turn it down. Too cold? We'll put it up. Is the service too long? That's okay. We'll shorten it. Does your neighbor have bad breath? We'll put mints in the lobby. You want coffee? We got coffee. You want lattes? We got lattes. You want Disney World for your children? We'll build a little Disney World here for your children. And then the moment everything went wrong, where did they go? They jumped ship. 
How many know we were locked and loaded, ready to go? Let's do this. Not by our strength, but by God's grace. You say, Pastor, but I thought church was a place for the hurting. It was a, it's a hospital. Yeah, we got a hospital on a battleship. <laughs> Pastor, I thought the church was meant to cook up good food and feed the community. Oh, yeah, we got a kitchen on the battleship. Oh, Pastor, I thought you were just supposed to teach them and make sure that there was lessons for marriages and young people to be better people in life. Yeah, we got classrooms on the That's right, it's a battleship. That's where you're at today. And if tomorrow it gets really nice and the mayor comes and hands me a plaque and says she was wrong and I was right, it doesn't change it. We're still in a battle. It doesn't matter if tomorrow we hit the 100,000 and we kick out the bears and start having church there and decide when they get to use it. Are you listening? Well, I got a backyard for you guys to use when we're done or until then. If you need to really play, you can play in my backyard in your tights. We're going to put this to work for Jesus right now. You guys went bankrupt. Hello. I'm going to be there for a day like that, aren't you? But it's still a battle. Good days, bad days. We're still in a battle, friends. Whether the mayor likes us, President Trump likes Christians, or the next one doesn't like Christians, it doesn't matter. We are in a battle. We are in a spiritual battle that has existed before we ever got here. Stand your ground, saints. Next famous or a popular meme from this year. Some of the ones that people followed us on. Some of you Christians thought you were like him, but now we all know you really like him. If you watch the movie 300, there is a part in there that's a little bit distasteful. But other than that, it's about 300 Spartans taking on the Persian army that is greater in multitude and number, and they're kicking butt. And then there's this young man that comes to them. And he has a disability. This is nothing against people with disabilities. And he wants to fight with the Spartans. And he asks the Spartans, can I fight with you? But the Spartans say, you have to be able to hold your shield like us and thrust your spear like us, lest there be one weak link here and we all are now disadvantaged to die. He asks him, Leonidas, the leader here, asks him, can you hold up your shield? Can you thrust your spear? He says, I can't. He tries. Leonidas then pays him an honor and says, you can still be with us on the battlefield, but how you're with us is going to be different. You have to attend to the, the wounded, get us water, take the bodies off of the battlefield. How many know that would still be an honor? But no, he became a betrayer. He then turned his back on the Spartans, went to the Persian army, told the king, this is how you can break their defenses. How many know we saw a lot of Christians do that this year? Tell on the church, just like the Nazis told on their neighbors. Excuse me, Mr. Third Reich. My neighbor doesn't salute when we do all the saluting in our community. Excuse me, Mrs. Mayor. This church over here is not like our church. They're still meeting. Just wanted to let you know. We had Christians doing this. Yeah, we know who you are. Thank you very much. Thank you for showing us who you are now. We get it. You didn't want what we were doing. You now want to do this. We know who you are. But here's the thing. Betrayers, betrayers always make excuses. Well, you guys shouldn't be so this way. You shouldn't be so that way. How many know we're called to be Spartans, whether or not they like it or not, whether or not everybody gets along with us? Listen, we're going to be Spartans. I didn't come here to get along with the mayor. When God sent me to plant a church in Chicago by his grace, the first prerequisite wasn't get along with the mayor. The, the, the second prerequisite after that wasn't make sure all your elders and deacons feel comfortable all the time with what's going on in the church, right? Let's go to the next one, please. Come on, somebody. Are you a mouse or a lion? From elder to deacon, from pastor to member, there are only two kinds of Christians at this time. Those who have boldness like a lion, and those, uh, the boldness like a lion, those who cowardly like a mouse. How many saw some mousy Christians this year? 
little mousy, little mousy Christians. They would sing. We have songs. We literally have songs that we sing about taking the land, being radical for Jesus. I'm not scared when you're around. Don't we have these songs that we sing here? And then what do they do? Just scurry off. How many lions of Zion do we have in the house? Make some noise. Roar like a lion. <laughs> and many of you came from other churches here because you looked around and you said, I'm in a church of a bunch of mouses or mice. And we welcomed in other people. Not that it was ever our heart to take people from other churches. It's just many of you came saying, I'm done hanging around with mice. There are lions in this house. Continue to be a lion. Let's go to the next one, please. This is what preachers look like when they say what the Bible says. This is what preachers look like when they say what the culture affirms. I know preachers that could preach it up. By faith you'll be healed. Send $10 to this such and such address. Get, get my book series on how to have faith and all of this. And they're the first ones to run and scurry off. Hold on. I thought you had faith like Jesus did to touch the leopard and see people healed. You were the televangelist, the big buck guy, right? You were the one that said you had the healing anointing oil. All these Bethel folks, remember all the Bethel folks from Bethel, you know, the church out there in California, they're always a little bit granola-like fruit, nuts, and flakes. They talked about healing all the time. They shut down. Where are you boys and girls at? I thought you had the power to heal. And little old us, let's open up and pray for somebody. Where are you going to find a metro praise person on the streets? Where are you going to find us gathering back in homes? Preaching the gospel, not to the glory of man, but to the glory of God. Does God not have a church that's worth gathering? Does God not have a message worth sharing? Does God not have servants that are worth praying and, and, and offering up prayers for people? Go to the next one, good sir. Thank you. Most Christians right now, let me know when I can come out. How many know that's what happened a lot in our culture? Okay, guys, I'm going to duck out for 2020. Just let me know when I can come out. Let me know when it's safe out there, and uh, I'll, be, I'll be there. Let me, know when, let me know when it's good. Oh, dear Lord. My friends are like that. Churches that I've respected are like that. But it's time for us to get our head out the sand and say, Jesus, here I am. The Bible says keep your head in every situation. The Bible says make the most of the times because the days are evil. Let's go to the next one, please. Have you heard of lukewarm privilege? This is what a lot of your friends have been able to live like while you're suffering for Jesus, right? You have to explain to your family why you're going to a church that doesn't mask up like it's Halloween, we're all being Batman or something. You have to explain that, but they don't have to explain because they're going along with the flow, right? How many of you have had to lose friends, family, be persecuted, but your other Christian friends who work at your job, they're just going on like life is just dandy. I go to church in my pajamas. Everything is awesome with me, man. You just got the wrong church. Here's what lukewarm privilege looks like. Avoid persecution by simply saying you're not like the Christians being persecuted. Stupid Stephen. You ever read the book of Acts? Stephen got uh, stoned. Why? Because he was preaching. This is what I call the stupid, the, the stupid Stephen syndrome. Stupid Stephen preaching to the Jews. You should know better. They don't like it. And then you called them stiff-necked children of the devil. Stupid Stephen. Jews, come on over here. Come to my house. I'm not like Stephen. I'm the nicer version of Stephen. You want to come to my church. Don't go to Stephen's church. You guys, you know what? Let me be honest with you. Stephen deserved to be stoned. He was Stephen. 
He was dumb. Stupid Stephen. That's what I call the stupid Stephen syndrome. Seriously, stupid Jesus, right? It sounds like blasphemy, but get the point. Stupid Jesus, why didn't he just do it differently? No, there's actually a cost that we pay to serve Christ in this world. That's why when I talk to people who say they have a problem with evil, I got so much problem with evil. Why is there so much evil? And I go, have you read our book before? We talk about the problem of evil in the first three chapters. We talk about, we tell you there's a problem of evil. We're not hiding a problem. Well, if there's a good God, why are there bad things? If he's all powerful, can't he remove it? We tell you why he hasn't removed it. We came here as his stewards over this earth. Then we chose the knowledge of what? The knowledge of what? What do you see? Good and, and where does it lean towards most of the time? That's why it's here. Do people choose good most of the time? No, they don't. Sadly, we don't. And that's why we're in this situation. So you know what? Number two, be loved and accepted by the world because they think you're just like them, but a little bit more spiritual. Oh, I like you. You're not like those other Christians. The moment you hear somebody from the world tell you that, just understand you are on the wrong ship. You are no longer on the gospel ship anymore, okay? You are on the ship called the world, and that's why they love you that way. Because you are just like them, but a little bit more spiritual. And the Bible says that gets spit out. Number three, pretend that you're being wise and really thoughtful and really you're being a coward. But then get offended when Christians who are suffering call out your cowardice. We had the, we had the director of our security team leave when things got tough around here. I'm in charge of security. Thank you very much. And I quit now. You mean the guy in charge of security quit the day they put up the Instagram that said, we're going to burn the building down? Yes. Yes. They said, we're going to burn down this building. My security guy said, I quit. I'm done. Welcome to the world of wackiness. That's the world we live in now. This is the world that we live in. The lukewarm literally think they're doing God a favor. Well, you know what? It's not wise for me to be around there. You know, when I asked to be security, I was really just talking about, you know, just removing people from the church that every now and then would do something stupid. I wasn't really wanting to lay down my life for Jesus here. Uh, when I was doing security, I was just wanting to, you know, just have a badge and pretend I had something to do, right? I didn't really want to stand between the children and the people who want to burn the building down. So what do we do then? If we all would have been like the coward, the security officer, we would have shut down that church that day. Yay, devil, you win again. Struck people, fear people. Now no more church on this corner. Wouldn't the devil just love that? The devil would love that. Oh, look, it's so unsafe to go to this church, and it's not worth it. There's a church here that's so much safer. There's a church over here. We had people who barely even went to the church putting up on the line online. Just let everybody know I'm not affiliated with Metro Praise anymore. Just letting everybody know. Like, dude, we ain't affiliated with you, number one. You are a backslider and have been one, number one. Number two, one day you're going to regret saying that. Oh, but I stand for Jesus. It's just I don't stand with the Christians who are suffering. Have you ever read Matthew chapter 25? Jesus said, what do you have done unto the least of these you have done to me? Last time I checked, we're not suffering because I put out a book called Joe's Life, you know, in the high, Joe's High Life, Living the Good Life with Joe, and everybody didn't like it, and we got mad, and we got persecuted or whatever. Are we being persecuted here because Joe wrote a book called Joe's Good Life? We're being persecuted here because of the gospel. And we're going to stand up in 2021 even more. This is nothing. We're going more, and we're going to be stronger, and we don't die, and we multiply. 
Keep your worldly reputation in place when you let your Christian friends be dragged through the mud. Hey, just let them keep saying whatever they say about them as long as they don't say it about me. Number five, make everything about you and your feelings and ignore what's happening to those who are standing up for the gospel. It's not that I don't agree with you guys. I just, I just feel it's a little messy. Didn't we hear that this year? I just feel it's a little messy. I, it's, not that I just, it's not that I disagree. I'm actually a fan. I'm actually a fan of what you're doing. I'm just going to be a fan about 20 steps back here, turning my back and running. Then I'm your fan. I support you. I'm going to support you from a distance. We're still going to give to you. No, keep your money. No, no, no. What we, what we came to do was not impress people. We came to preach the gospel. And if the gospel is now costing something, it must mean we're doing something right. If they're upset that we're in front of the abortion clinic and a woman now says to me, because like she did yesterday, because you're here, I'm now donating to Planned Parenthood, we must be doing something right because her wickedness is now being exposed, right? We are doing something right. When the teenagers say we're going to gangbang on the Christian teenagers, we must be doing something right because they know we're on the streets now. We must be doing something right when the mayor says, shut them down. And then she goes that same day to do a photo op with the church over there handing out PPE things or whatever that stuff is. You know you're doing something right when the lesbian mayor is upset with you. Amen? Jesus is smiling on you. In closing, Vinny, would you come please? The lesbian mayor just loves us and keeps coming to our church to hand out groceries. Yeah, because you accept and are just like the lesbian mayor. That's why she does that. Does everybody get that? How many know she's not going to come here and do that no matter how many groceries we give away? We'll give away groceries to feed the entire city. The mayor's still not coming because the moment she comes, what is she being affiliated with? A church that considers her lifestyle sinful. But she doesn't fear that from so-and-so church. And some of you know the church I'm talking about that's got the photo op with the mayor. If you don't, we'll tell you later privately. No, I'm kidding. Half kid. But listen, but you know that she has no fear showing up to that church. Why? Because they're not going to go back into that pastor's messages and find where he preached about something that would be controversial. Let's go back to the scriptures. Come on. Somebody say, just give me Jesus. Back to the scriptures. Paul continues on. He says, join us. Follow my example, brothers and sisters. Just as, you, just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live like us. I say this from the bottom of my heart. If anything were to ever happen to me, follow TJ. Follow Joe B. Follow the men and women of this church who are preaching the gospel. Do not have me look over heaven's gates and go, what in the world happened down here? Keep going hard for Jesus. And I promise this to you by God's grace and his strength. Everyone look up at me, please, because I love you. Please hear my heart. And when I am at home by myself or I am out in the city doing ministry or I'm preaching and teaching somewhere, I promise you, I will not let you down. By God's grace, I am not going to change my character. I am not going to cheat on my wife. I am not going to capitulate when things get hard. You may say, Pastor, I might disagree with you and get hurt sometimes. That's not what I mean. That happens in my own family. That's going to happen in this family. What I'm talking about when I say let you down is you will not be ashamed of me, your pastor. You will not be embarrassed to wear that shirt. And our leaders make that same commitment to you. 
And if we don't, then we will step down. You have that as a promise. Because here in this church, that Chicago for Jesus, this Metro Praise logo, or our preaching and teaching on the streets, when they see the truck, it's going to mean something to this city. I love what one reviewer said. One reviewer on our Google said, I thought they were just another hip church, and they named a few hip churches. They go, nope, they're nothing like them. <laughs> oh, they're nothing like them. They literally compared us to Jehovah Witnesses but said we were even more intense. And I'm like, yeah, you didn't know what you ran into, did you? You did not run into the church that's here to capitulate to whatever you're about right now. I remember when we were starting something in Wicker Park, I had a woman come. She was doing her school project on us, and she was looking at us, and she's like, how in the world do you even say this stuff? This stuff is like the most craziest stuff we could ever even think of, like in our school setting, college setting. Like you're calling out sin, you do this. Like, like how do you even do this and consider yourself a good person? I said, here's the reason why you and I are so different. You have developed a moral standard, a moral set of beliefs on sand. And your foundation is always shifting and changing from every, uh, every trend and everything that man has to say. I am standing on a tried and true rock of a foundation, Jesus Christ and his word. And I may be sticking out like a sore thumb to you, but I stand with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I stand with David. I stand with Joshua and Moses. I stand with Peter, Paul, James, and John. I stand with Timothy and Titus. And Philemon. I stand with Deborah and I stand with Eutychus. I stand with the men and women of God. And I haven't, I changed my clothes from my forefathers. My forefathers wore suits. Now I wear a sweat jacket. Why is your pastor coming jeans and a sweatsuit and all that? Because it's too cold to wear shorts and chanclas. Make sure you tell them that. Why does he wear pants? Because it's too cold to wear shorts. Why are you asking? Why does he wear shorts? Because it's 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 hot. That's why he's wearing it. So we don't we don't listen. The re, the the religious worldview says, well, you have to dress a certain way and do it. No no no. We don't care about that. We're not minoring on the minors here. That's why you're here, right? But we're focusing on the gospel. That has not changed. Amen. He says, for I've often told you before, as I now tell you with tears, many live as enemies as the cross of the cross. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. They, their mind is set on earthly things. How many of you enjoyed some food over the holidays? How many of you have checked the scale yet? No, I checked the scale this morning. That was bad news, bad news. I hopped on there, and man, you have never seen a white boy jump as high, as high and as fast as I did. I was like, whoo! What happened? What happened? But it was good when I was eating it, wasn't it? It was good, right? The flesh. The Bible says their God is the stomach. Is anybody here denying the temporary pleasures of sin? Is anybody here denying that? No, I'm not denying the temporary pleasures of sin. But what I'm saying is my God is not my pleasure. My God is the one who created the heavens and the earth. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Paul said our citizenship is in heaven. I love America and I want America to repent, but my citizenship is in heaven. As we eagerly wait a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we will have a glorious body like him. How many are waiting for that day? 
Whether, whether or not we see Jesus come or we die and we go to him. He comes to us, we go to him. We have to be ready. Chapter 4. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I long for and I love, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. In this way, stand for the Lord. I plead with Judea and I plead with Syncache to be of the same mind in the Lord. Notice this. Paul's being persecuted by Jews. Paul's being persecuted by Romans. And in his own church, he's got people fighting. Can we all make an agreement here that in 2020, we're going to leave behind all the drama in the church? Amen. Any situations you have with anybody, settle it today so that when we meet again next year, we don't have to figure out what's going on. And by the way, we have accountability here. We will sit down with you. We will judge Judy the situation, in other words. We don't let things go unchecked, even if it's according to what I've done. The Bible says, let elders be subjected to the two or three witnesses. And if there's sin in my life, then let me be corrected, okay? But let's, let's not let the drama go on. He says in verse 3, yet I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. So here we go. Let's keep the church in order. Number four, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. How am I going to do that this year? Let your gentleness be evident to all. We're going to be gentle. There was one time when a guy at the, at the protest at Nini's Deli made the bad decision of standing between me and the door that I needed to go through. They had crowded us to the point where we could no longer move. So we went into the building. But then at that point, the police did not know how to get us out of the building because they had now surrounded the entire building. I then said with another brother, let's go walk over to the police because I don't think they'll kill us in front of the police. Let's go walk over to them, though scared, knees shaken, and ask the police, how do we get out of here? because this is obviously not any kind of discussion. This is literally a riot. Paul had them. We're in one, right? So I go to do that once. He comes up with an idea. Doesn't work. Come back to the building. Then I go back out because we had children with us. I go back out. One of the protesters got really slick and said to himself probably, I know what they're doing. You're going in and out talking to the police. We're now going to block the door. My gentleness was not evident to all at that moment. I went through him to that door. But this is what I didn't do. I didn't want to hurt him, nor did I want to punish him in some way that would let my anger take control of that situation. Do you notice the difference? I said, I'm going through that. I'm going to that door. And that's what's going to happen, right? And if I have to go through you, I'm going through you to that door. But it's not my intention to hurt you or to harm you. Let me through that door. He didn't want to let me through, and I went right through him. There are times when God is going to say, enough is enough. And we have to thank God for our police. We have to thank God for our military and all of these things, right? And, and you have to protect your family and your house. But our heart is still gentle. When I got back in and he was picking himself back up and dealing with whatever had happened to him at that moment, I then looked back at him and I made a little heart. And I go, love you, bro. But I'm going home tonight. You know what I'm saying? You're not keeping me from my children tonight. 
because you're wicked and sinful and you lost and now you're upset. They lost a homosexual and Juan became a Christian. They lost a gangbanger when Jose became a Christian. They lost a business that was once afraid of them when they stood up for Jesus. They lost all of us as young people and older people when we stood for Jesus and they realized we don't care what you say. We'll preach to you. And then what does he say? The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything but in everything with prayer and petition and thanksgiving. Present your request to the Lord. Present your request to the Lord, to God, and the God of peace will give you this peace. He's the God of peace, and he gives you peace. The peace of God, the God of peace, will give you peace that transcends all your understanding, and it will guard your hearts and your minds. Was there anybody this year that had peace beyond your understanding? Guards your mind. You were supposed to be depressed. You were supposed to be afraid. You were supposed to be wallowing in your tears and in your pity. You were supposed to be feeling rejection, but the peace of God, the God of peace, guarded us. Hallelujah. He said he will guard you and keep you. Verse 8, finally. Somebody say, finally, Pastor. I know I've been long. Thank you. It's the last one of the year. A lot of talk about. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Come on, everybody, just put your hand over your mind or your heart and say, Jesus, purify me from all the junk of 2020. I'm thinking about you this year. I'm not letting these things hold on to me. Some of us might have really dealt with some post-traumatic stress this last year. That's real. I'm not saying it's not, but I'm asking you to go to Dr. Jesus right now. Jesus, guard our hearts, guard our minds. Refocus us, reframe us to see things the way you do so that we can trust you for what you have ahead. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Verse 9, whatever you have learned, and I say this looking to the apostle. I really do. In some ways, I'm an example, right? I know who I'm supposed to be as a leader, but I really just want to say this because what we have gone through is nothing. I want you to think about our apostles, the missionaries, the leaders before us, our brothers and sisters even now in China, Nigeria, Indonesia, in the Middle East, in places like Sudan, Syria. Think of the ones in North Korea, right? Listen to this. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. The thing that I feel the most compassion for towards my brothers and sisters who left or were cowardly is that they don't get the chance to see God show up and show off. What did we get to see this year in the lion's den? We got to see a God who can close the mouths of lions. What did we get to experience this year in the fiery furnace? One that shines brighter than the sun, who is like the Son of God himself. What have we seen in the midnight hour in the jail cells? We have heard the worship of those who rejoice in the Lord and not the things of this world. What have we seen? We've seen the God of peace be with us. 
there may have been some scary times. I get it, and as a pastor, and I tried to frame it at the beginning, but let me say it please in closing. I get it that so many of us had real pain, real trauma, real rejection, real issues this past year. It was real. The tears were real. The pain was real. The threats were real. But I'm asking you, because I know my testimony, but I'm asking you, church, as your shepherd, did you also know that the peace of God was real? Did you know the peace of God was with you? As you went out to your job and you were wondering, because there was a time they were doxing us, finding us online in our likes, in our YouTube videos, whatever. They were finding your names and going to your jobs. Hey, social service, do you know so-and-so works there, you know, uh, goes to this church who works there? Teachers, uh, you know, principal so-and-so, do you know that this teacher goes to this church? There was a protest in front of Pastor Berto's school. A protest in front of his high school saying, fire him. He's got a wife and three kids. I know it was real. I'm not saying I can even understand all the places you have walked this year because I haven't walked where some of you have walked. But I'm just asking as your pastor, was the peace of God with you? When you laid down at night, Joe B., and you knew that someone left a note on your car that said, we know where you live. When you laid down your head that night, man, did you have the peace of our God with you? TJ, when they said, we're going to gangbang on you, and you had to go back home to your neighborhood and go back into your house with your mom, was the peace of God in that place? As you went about your life, saints, was God there? Pastor Berto, when you showed up to that meeting, literally like a Daniel, a Shadrach, and a Shadrach Meshach, and Abednego, you didn't even know if you were going to lose your job. They had protested you by name in front of your high school. Brother, when you went there that day to give your side of the story, did you feel the peace of God? Michelle, when they were calling you all kinds of racist names, when they were saying that you were a sellout, when your family was turning their back on you, when people said who, that they were down with you in this other part of your ministry, but now you had gone too far and you had to get around your dinner table with your kids and wipe those tears from your eye and you sat down that day with your family, did you feel the peace of God? sister when you were preaching at Belmont and Clark and they were getting up in your face and our other sister's face Marcella did you know God's peace was with you I could go through this church and just point to you because I am your shepherd as a good shepherd following the main shepherd you get that right and I just want to know Nathan did you feel the peace of God because if you didn't we got to stop and pray again my testimony can't just be my testimony. It's got to also be your testimony. Did God meet you there? Did he bless you? Did he encourage you? Did he wrap his arms around you? Because I want to tell you, when I felt afraid and I was going through all the same emotions in my story, I felt the peace of God. 
I felt God's arms wrap around me and say, I got you. And if anybody thought about it, I thought about it all the time. Did I do this right? As a church, should we have done this differently? Was I being too sassy with the mayor? Should I have gone on that six-hour live feed with all of these people from Nini's Deli? You know, I was always thinking to myself, could I have done it differently? Could I have done it this way? Could I have done it that way? Could I have, could I have outwitted them this way? Could I have stepped back when I, when I was stepping up? And I felt the Lord just say, Joe, you're following me. And Joe, following me sometimes doesn't work out the way people think. Do you guys get that? Sometimes following Jesus is not all stars next to your name. It's not always wins and hand claps. And literally, I just started going through the people of the Bible. I know we've preached about it, but I just want to say it again. And I just started going through those people. And I'm like... Did Stephen really do something stupid that day or was Stephen just so on fire for Jesus he had to let them know? And then I was like, man, I want to be like Stephen. I want to be like Stephen. And then I started going through the different stories and I started thinking about like Deborah. Man, her king was scared, but Deborah said, I'm going. And then I started thinking about Bevy and Edme and those who came around us. And even myself, I was scared at times that we were sitting here and they were threatening to burn down the building. And I remember looking at Bevy and Edme and I said, they are telling us they are going to burn down the building. The police now want us to go. What do you want to do? And Bevy said, we are going to stand here and we are going to preach. thank God for the Debras. When we did Jesus Matters and the churches down the road wouldn't even let us use their parking lot. I said, maybe this is a sign that no one's going to come. But then DS came. Ricky Castor came. These men and women of God came. You know the ones I'm talking about. Those are just the brothers I got close to at that time. And then they started praying for us from the African-American black community. They started praying for us, and they said, church, don't back down. Your pastor's not crazy. You're just being persecuted for the same gospel we preach, the same gospel that our parents preached. Keep preaching Metro praise. And so, yeah, it's a little bit emotional to end 2020. But I just wanted to say to you, God of peace was with us. And when I share that with others, I don't want to be a hypocrite because I am looking at eyes full of tears and emotion as well. I'm looking at hearing amens. I'm looking at people who are saying, Joe, you did not go through this alone. I had some people come up to me and they, and they said, we don't come here for you. We love you, but we do not come here for you. We come here for what this place stands for. We come here because of what is being done here. And we want to let you know we are here for that. And as God is my witness, coming into 2021 for next week, I believe that what we imagined once as young people, my wife and I, without gray in our hair, believe it or not, and a lot more heavier and healthier, I used to be 50 pounds heavier, we used to think the 100,000 was going to come the way we saw Joel Osteen get it. You know, his 40,000. We thought the the disciples were going to come the way we've seen in other places. No, no. After this year, the vision got a little bit more clearer. It's going to come through blood, sweat, and tears. 
It's going to come through rejection. It's going to come through the mayor hot on our tail. It's going to come, though, through people finding us online saying, I was looking for a church to stand up with. It's going to come while empty seats are given to the people who say, I'm willing to come from the suburbs. I'm willing to drive here from Indiana. I'm willing to come and fill up those empty seats and stand for Jesus. Would you stand up with me now, saints, and let the God of peace know you're going to stand for him. We're going to stand for you, Jesus, in this generation. We thank you for 2020. We rejoice in the good that came out of this year. We will forever remember your testimonies in us. We will now look to the future. Band and altars, come, please. Thank you for your patience today, saints. We will look to 2021 for more to come. Because if you were faithful this last year, you'll be faithful this year coming ahead. Every testimony, every heartache, put it behind you and look forward, saints. Would you let the Lord know you're going forward with him right now? I won't be bitter towards any hurt or pain that people have did to me. I forgive the mayor. I forgive the security guy who left. I forgive what they said about us in Jesus' name. I'm going forward with Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I forgive and I go forward, Lord. We had people baptized this year. Lord, I thank you for everybody baptized. That will remember 2020 as the year they gave it all to you. Lord, I thank you for those who got saved during this year. I pray that they'll stay with you. Throw off the old and get the new. A few more moments. What are you going to let go of in the past? Some people are letting go of their old life, and they're going forward with Jesus. Some are letting go of the fear of man. Some are letting go of the fear of acceptance by their family or whatever, and they're going forward with Jesus. What are you doing today? Should would the Lord tarry and we have another year on this planet, what is it going to be like? Just keep praying right now. I just want to lift up some of you right here because I know you've paid a great price to be here. I pray for home Bible studies to start wherever you call home right now. You have our permission in this church to start Bible studies. Some of you right now, you've got so much of this in you, you don't know what to do with it. Just start talking to your neighbors and start Bible studies. Some of you want to start outreaches. Go ahead, start meeting needs right now. I pray that we'll meet the needs of this community during this season like never before. I pray for our young people to not be discouraged. I thank you for all the teenagers that are coming on Friday. I thank you for the children that are coming on Wednesdays. Oh, Lord, we ask you, God, that as we make these decisions as adults, our children only see the sacrifice as good, that none of them are bitter towards you because of what moms and dads do for the sake of the cross. Let them see that what we're doing is for their good, for their posterity, for their future. A few moments, would you pray for your family? Pray for this nation. Pray for your job. Pray for this community. Des, would you just sing that out? May the peace of God transcend or guard our hearts and mind like we did in second service, please. A few moments. If you need prayer, you can even come up right now. But let's just pray before we go. We, we love God. We love him. That's why we're here. He has touched and changed our lives. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, listen to me. This is not a political movement. This is not just a revolution. This is a relationship with Jesus. That matters more than anything. Ask Jesus to come into your heart. Repent of your sins. Watch what God will do. You'll never regret it. 
few moments and then we'll dismiss last Sunday of the year. If you've been struggling with a besetting sin like pornography or an addiction or you've been overwhelmed by fear or anxiety, those kinds of things that you want to leave behind, as Des begins to sing, just come up. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to encourage you. We'll dismiss in a moment. You could come up then too. But we really just want to lift up God as a congregation this year. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.